Funding for Journeys of Discovery with Tom Wilmer is provided by the Foundation at Hearst Castle, where donors and members experience exclusive events that recreate what it was like to be a guest of William Randolph Hearst, from swimming in the iconic Neptune pool to dining in Hearst's private guest house overlooking the Pacific Ocean. The Foundation at Hearst Castle's ongoing mission is to support the conservation and restoration of Hearst Castle while offering youth programs for underserved students. Discover how you can become a member by going to Foundation at hearstcastle.com and learn how you can support this unique and invaluable mission. Hello, I'm Ruth Carlson. I am at Camp San Luis Obispo with Eric Brune, the California State Guard. Tell me about the fascinating work you're doing on this living history San Luis Obispo County military. Thank you so much. I'm working with a group of folks who I've met through my role here as a, in the California State Guard. I'm in the Museum Command and work on preserving, protecting, and interpreting the military history of California. But the research that I've been doing most recently has to do with the Second World War in the area and trying to find uh, new parts of the story to help tell and understand things like uh, in April of 1942, there was a Black Coast Artillery Regiment that uh, deployed a battalion here to guard the two big oil ports that we had. We had a continuous line of ocean-going oil tankers that would uh, come up to uh, both Avila and as well as Estero Bay there near Morro Bay to um, pick up the crude oil that was... Uh, coming out of the Central Valley as a strategic asset. But there was also a black USO in San Luis Obispo that we found, you know, kind of discovered or learned an awful lot more about in our research. Most recently, I've been looking into the life of uh, Chaplain uh, Samuel Owen. Chaplain Owen came to Camp San Luis Obispo in 1942 and was the black chaplain on post. And he was supporting up to 2,000 black soldiers here on post that were assigned a quartermaster and uh, different kinds of logistics units here, chemical units. But now we're just beginning to, to understand that history. But not only the, the soldiers in their service here, both the uh, Coast Artillery in an active defense role, but the support soldiers here at Camp San Luis Obispo, but their family members who followed them here, you know, trying to uh, really understand and document where they lived, you know, what was it like as a uh, black family here in uh, San Luis Obispo. In 1940, there were less than 20 black citizens recorded in the census. And all of a sudden, you have a population of almost 3,000 black soldiers, let alone the servicemen, but some of their family members followed them and, and where they lived. You know, what we've discovered so far is that there was a large concentration that lived in what was Japantown until April of 1942. That area became a new social hub, and later that's where the Sisters Cafe was, and the economic engine that was created out of that eventually turned into the Club Morocco that was uh, further down south on Higuera Street in later years. So, you know, working with folks like Dr. James Papp, with uh, the leaders of the NAACP, trying to gather the information that I'm finding through my research, but making that available. Working with Dr. Jackson, Tania Jackson at, at Cal Poly, who's a history professor I've had classes with, and uh, 
She's worked with a number of other students like Ethan Gutherman, who is, uh, as an undergrad, has been doing fantastic work in documenting the, the social history of San Luis Obispo at that time. So, have you been able to track down any of the descendants of these soldiers? I have not been successful myself. You know, one family that I know was here was was Luther Bynes and his wife. They had three children here, and uh, Luther and his wife and one of his children are buried in Los Osos, uh, very near my my parents' resting place. But I have not uh, found uh, you know living relatives who chose to stay in the area. I suspect there were many more. I have some beginning pieces of research, but my expertise is really based on the military side of this, and uh, I'm doing everything I can to document from those records. I was able to get 200 pages of Chaplain Owen's records, and I'm still trying to get those in an easy indexed format to be able to share, but he chronicles many churches that he's visited in in community meetings he's attended. He organized a picnic here in 1940. Two just after he arrived, and um, you know, just just to see uh, the soldiers, you know, enjoying themselves in a series of photographs. Uh, it's a really enjoyable uh, set of photos. But we also, through our research, we were able to discover that the uh, University of Minnesota had a collection that included a, a series of photographs of the Black USO here in San Luis Obispo. So those were really, uh, really informative to be able to get a, a feel for um, some glimpses. And before, you didn't really have a way to interpret that. So now we've also gotten access to a, a large series of the Post newspapers. So we will be going back and index those and find little daily stories that, that might crop up and give us more details, you know, a richer view of that. What's the most surprising thing that you've discovered in your research? The fact that these things are hidden in plain sight. Everybody around here is aware that there's a building at the corner of Mill and Santa Rosa that is Ludwig Center today. Well, some of those people know that that was the USO, but they didn't know that that was one of three different buildings that had been the USO in World War II, and the other two were the black USOs. So, you know, being able to add that to uh, historical record is, is really important to me and to many people. We're developing a group right now to you know, form a, a military history roundtable or a, a group of folks who will assist in developing new research like this for the Central Coast and helping interpret and encouraging authors and historians to look into this area and help provide a, a more holistic view of history. You know, that's a project that's underway right now. We're, we're gathering folks uh, for the round table, so to speak. <laughs> How did this whole project start? Uh, well, I had met Tom Wilmer. We uh, were just getting to know each other, and, and at that time there was a going to be a, a public uh, event where uh, a book signing by a local author named Joe Dunlop. And Joe had grown up in Morro Bay and now lives up in Oregon, but he had sat down and put together a book when Morro Bay went to war. And so he was going to do a presentation and a book signing. So I wanted to go to that and uh, I tracked him down on the internet, asked him to have coffee with me and Tom that morning. So it just the three of us getting together, Tom mentions, well, there was that black unit, artillery unit in Morro Bay in World War II, and, which was news to me. 
I had been an artillery officer at one point in my career, and I grew up in Santa Barbara and Goleta and had lived up here in, since the 80s and never heard of that. So that really kind of caught my attention, so kind of mobilized this exploration. That, in turn, has led me to the cartographer from the Japantown Atlas that you can find on the Internet. He's done about 70 maps of different Japantowns that existed in California in the 1930s and 40s, and it turns out that his partner is the granddaughter of a family that had a 120-acre ranch in Shell Beach, and they owned half of Japantown and got wiped out during the war. And they both actually come back to the Central Coast. They'll be coming back this year for a month for research. She's working on a book chronicling that. So we're just trying to tie all those things together. You know, how do we work with someone like that who is coming here to do research, going to do write a book and tell her story and her family's story here How do we support that? How do we get that word across? Last April, the History Center of San Luis Obispo and John Ashbaugh was going to be putting on a World War II commemorative week, and we were able to incorporate the work that they've been doing. We ended up with eight days in a row of presentations and history walks and movie screenings from Guadalupe to Morro Bay, San Luis Obispo, Shell Beach, it was quite something. So actually that example of collaboration is what we're working on now with this kind of roundtable to uh, do that again. So this is rather surprising to many people that there were that many black military people here on the Central Coast. How many were there? The numbers that I'm getting from uh, Chaplain Owen's reports, and uh, he was required to do a monthly report of his activities as chaplain, was uh, upwards of about 2,000 for 42-43. When the 54th came to the area in early 42, that brought an extra 700, but I don't see a jump in the numbers. So he was reporting the sheep on his ranch. So Camp San Luis Obispo physically, he also supported black soldiers of the 54th, but he didn't include them in his numbers. So, And he was driving to Santa Maria and working with the black soldiers assigned to um, the air base there. So I'm in a process of crunching those numbers and identifying those units so we have that available to us as a historical interpretation. One of the things that was just a, a real neat thing for me was I had a chance to meet Dan Krieger and, and his wife Liz, both deeply committed to the history of the area and when you start comparing notes you start filling in blanks for each other you know like he published a book called war comes to the middle kingdom the california central coast enters world war ii and it was printed as volume one 1939 to 1942 and he has a manuscript for volume two it's at that level but in looking at this he had a picture of the higara street uso But he didn't know that that actually was the second black USO. The first black USO was started in a part of town which everybody refers to now as Chinatown. They actually were calling it the Palm Street USO when it was there 
which is amusing because it's actually on Morrow Street. So I'm suspecting that Palm Street was kind of a euphemism for not saying Chinatown. You know, even in 1940, they found an area of town that rent was cheaper. You know, it wasn't downtown on Monterey or Higuera Street. It was off by a couple of blocks. And uh, when Chinatown was established, I'm sure you had to go all the way up the hill to get to Chinatown. That was kind of way out there in its day. But working with historians like Dan and Liz was just really exciting because when you start comparing the cards and you start saying, oh, wait a minute, this goes here. You know, the fact that when the Japanese were moved from the county into the the, uh, internment camps, that was the same month that the 54th Coast Artillery arrived. And uh, working with Dr. Papp and his research through our architectural history, which is his forte, all of a sudden we see a population change. And by the end of the war, you eventually have the first black church in the county going at the end of Brook Street, which used to be Eto Street, for the Eto family who had built Japantown with the Susumis. You know, these things were just fitting together so tightly. It's exciting. Is this a labor of love for you? Are you being paid to do all this research? Oh, it is a labor of love. For me, the exciting part is that as a military historian, it's given me a way to work with someone like Dr. Papp and work with Dan and Liz and being able to provide pieces of the puzzle that they didn't necessarily have. That's been exciting. And, of course, uh, working with Tom Wilmer, he in turn drags me on to um, Congleton radio show, uh, which is a bit of a shock. A great interviewer, a very enjoyable experience at the times I've been able to talk about history there. So the listeners are going to be intrigued by this. How can they find out more? Where should they go, online or in person or both? Well, right now we, we have several Facebook presences around Morro Bay in uh, World War II. We just haven't switched a, a Central Coast one public yet. We're building up a stance. But you can find the 54th Coast Artillery Facebook group. You'll also see several cross postings we try to push our storyline out to other things but like the there's several different Morro Bay history uh, groups that we uh, share information with but right now that that's the start and uh, I hope to be able to update you pretty soon about um, the group that we're working on to be a central clearinghouse and part of the what we see is the role of this new group is to work with places like the Estrella Warbirds, to work with the Camp Roberts Historical Military Museum, the um, Morro Bay Maritime Museum, and, the, and all of the different historical societies, help them interpret the World War II stories that we care about, but also connect people who are interested in this subject with this really broad set of resources. You know, Camp Roberts has a wonderful museum, very dedicated. Folks have been working on that for years. Gary and Dirk are doing a wonderful job there with some many, uh, many supporters. But this Estrella Warbirds is a whole another piece of the story. That's just in the North County. Now in the You've got other places all the way down to, you know, the Wings of Fame coming in in um, with the Flying Air Museum coming into uh, Santa Maria here in the n- upcoming years, and they they will be having an air show this fall. So, uh, yeah. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Brune. This has been fascinating to learn this history. I don't think very many people are aware of this. So looking forward to finding out more myself.
I'm Ruth Carlson reporting from Camp San Luis Obispo. We've been talking with Eric Brune with the California State Guard, who is finding out amazing, interesting things about the history of the military on the central coast of California. Funding for Journeys of Discovery with Tom Wilmer is provided by the Foundation at Hearst Castle, where donors and members experience exclusive events that recreate what it was like to be a guest of William Randolph Hearst, from swimming in the iconic Neptune pool to dining in Hearst's private guesthouse overlooking the Pacific Ocean. The Foundation at Hearst Castle's ongoing mission is to support the conservation and restoration of Hearst Castle while offering youth programs for underserved students, preserving the past and inspiring future generations of dreamers. These children experience a world of science, technology, engineering, art, and math at Hearst Castle STEAM, along with studying the legacy of Julia Morgan, one of the most important women in the history of engineering and architecture. The foundation at Hearst Castle not only changes the lives of children, but also provides lifetime memories and unrivaled experiences for our generous donors and members. Discover how you can become a member by going to foundation at hearstcastle.com and learn how you can support this unique and invaluable mission. You've been listening to the Lowell Thomas award-winning travel show Journeys of Discovery with Tom Wilmer, a featured podcast on NPR.org's podcast directory. Produced by California Central Coast NPR affiliate KCBX. You are invited to subscribe to Journeys of Discovery with Tom Wilmer on NPR.org, NPR One, iTunes, Stitcher.com, and more than 20 other podcast channels around the world. To learn more about Tom Wilmer's journeys around America and the world, log on to ThomasWilmer.com. This is Roseanne Cash, and I'm sitting here with Tom Wilmer on KCBX Radio. Please support your local NPR station. I listen to WNYC in New York. In fact, NPR is all I listen to. If I didn't have NPR, I would feel like my lifeline to the world has been cut. So, yes, please support your local NPR station. Thank you.